Good morning, everyone. Uh, start off this morning on uh, sad is not even the word for it. Just a bewildered is the word for it. Uh, out of the gate. Easy thing to do. Um, low hanging fruit is to turn this into an argument of of what this is what happens when you have gun control as people get crazy with knives. Um, but that's not even close to the point that I want to make. Um, the only point I want to make in defense of my arguments of the past is we have got to do something about mental illness. We have got to do something about drug addiction. We don't know what led these people to do the things they've done. If you don't know the story here in in, uh, Arizona, Casa Grande, a young guy for no known reason that I mean, no, there can't be a possibly a good reason, but for no reason that we know of um, murdered his family. And um, police officers saying that this is a scene that we'll never forget. I want you to hear a report out of Canada, the stabbing report, how many dead, what happened in Canada this weekend that has uh, people in that country also dismayed. Residents in Western Canada are on high alert with one of the two men police suspect of killing 10 people and injuring 19 others in a stabbing rampage still on the run. Overnight, Canadian police finding one of the two male suspects dead in a field. Investigators said with injuries not believed to be self-inflicted. So I'm just going to read the first paragraph of this story. The horror began at 5.40 a.m. on Sunday when the police received a report of a stabbing on rural indigenous reserve in the western Canadian province of Saskatchewan. By the time the rampage was over, hours later, police said that 10 people were dead, 18 wounded, and some apparently chosen at random in a killing spree that has shaken the country. In Las Vegas, a reporter was found stabbed to death outside of his home. Casa Grande, uh, a guy arrested on suspicion of killing four family members. And we've got stories of mass shootings across the country this weekend as well. Um, at what point, and this I mean very sincerely, at what point are we going to look at you can try to take away people's guns, and this is not going to be a Second Amendment defense. This is going to be a focus on where we should be focusing. You can focus on trying to take away one weapon from someone, or what we can do is take a serious look in our society at what we've done. Um, legalization of a lot of illicit drugs. I'm not going to go down the marijuana road. I don't want to fight about the legalization of marijuana, but the decriminalization of other drugs. We've had isolation for a couple of years because of COVID. We know what it's done to young people. We know about depression. And what depression does to people, when you take people that are mentally fragile and you put them in a situation that is very stressful, whatever that stressful situation is, you don't know how they're going to react. Some people lash out. And that's what we saw, who knows, in Casa Grande, but we're seeing a lashing out in Casa Grande. We're seeing it in, in, in Canada for sure, as many of these victims were randomly chosen. Some people lash in. And they hurt themselves. They take their own lives. They attempt to take their own lives. Or, you know, there are there is a condition um, where people cut themselves. They injure themselves, cutters. And it is uh, it is almost a release for them to injure themselves. And my heart breaks for people that this happens to. But in cases like this, the overwhelming question is let's talk about Canada and Casa Grande. The overwhelming question for me is how did it get this far? Because usually 
this isn't just the first sign. Occasionally it is. I mean, occasionally we find out that people who had absolutely no sign of of struggle mentally or emotionally um, lash out all of a sudden and nobody ever figures out why. I told you the story of my family where my youngest brother, best, best friend, took his own life the day before he was leaving for college with absolutely, and I knew this kid for most of his childhood, his mother was a mental health counselor. There was absolutely no indication that this was going to happen. So to me, that'll be a mystery for the rest of my life of how this well-adjusted, well-liked, well-loved, with a lot of support around him, why he chose to do that. But in cases like we're seeing, and this is why I don't want to turn this into, uh, I don't want to go all sarcastic about guns and not, I, I don't. Violence is violence. And when you have people that become emotionally so devoid that they could stab anyone, and you know, that's a very personal thing to do. I mean, that's up close and personal. And when you have somebody that has gotten to a point where they are so devoid of emotion, they are so empty inside that they can do something like this. It, 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 we have to start asking the question of when do we see the signs? How do we see the signs? What are some of the causes? Is it a mixture of what we've seen with the shutdowns over the last couple of years? And I'm not blaming the shutdown advocates. I'm, I'm saying that for every action, there is a reaction. There's a cause and effect to life. So now we're looking at if we forget the politics of the conversation, whether or not it was necessary to shut things down. Forget that. We did it. It's done. What happened? happened. Now we have to look at life and say, is this a residual effect? Is this part of the effect of that that um, separation? You know, years ago, um, when human interaction was a lot more um, the norm, where you weren't hiding behind a gaming system or hiding behind a phone or a Facebook page or social media, um, we didn't have this isolation where people are working from home in Zoom meetings. When people interacted, um, you saw depression in people, and there were people that were isolating themselves, and they were lonely, or maybe they were outcast. That's where bullying was such a big deal, that you don't know when you have someone that's fighting that demon, when you're already depressed, when you're hurting inside, and people begin to pile on you, they are affirming your self-loathing. And they may not mean to. They may just be kids that are goofing around. But what you are doing is affirming the self-loathing inside a person, and one way or the other, that's coming out. You're either going to act out or you're going to act in, but you're going to act. And so here we see a couple of real life situations that are as tragic as anything we've ever seen. And I think this is where we have to start this conversation. You know, um, all the jokes, knife control, all that stuff, you know, it's, it, it's easy. That's low-hanging fruit from someone in my position. But in the end, what I would say to people on the other side of the argument from me is this is why I continue to say you have to look at the angry people, at the criminals, at the mentally disturbed people. And, you know, when it comes to mental illness, this it's like any other illness. A lot of times when intervention happens early – There are things that can be done, and every form of mental illness doesn't make you dangerous, and we have to walk a very very, uh, tight line here because when you say mental illness, 
we don't want to ever label somebody as dangerous because it stops people from seeking help. We have to stop the stigma. Just like any other illness, if you say to a friend, I'm sick, um, it could be I've got a cold, I've got COVID, I've got the flu, or I am sick. And what comes next is a serious condition that has to have serious treatment. And that, just like physical illness runs the gamut of possibilities, so does mental illness. People have to seek help. People have to feel comfortable seeking help. But now with the lack of interaction, the intervention part of it that happens all the time, how many of us remember being young and saying to friends, are you okay? How many of us have friends in our life, family members in our life, people that we are very close to, that we, we know when something's not right? And usually it could be just something they're going through. It's not something that's going to be life altering. But that question, are you all right? What can I do? How are you? And we've got, we're at a place in our, you know, in the world right now, not that it's bad that we have all the things at our, our fingertips, but we are so disconnected from social interaction outside of a device that's between us, maybe we're not seeing it. So you've got isolated people on top of an isolated situation being inundated with horrible things, and then we wonder what's happening and why. And at some point, I hope that what we are able to do, and I mean this very, very sincerely, I hope at some point we can move away from looking at the device that was used for these people to lash out or lash in. And look at why we allow it or how it has gotten so bad that nobody saw it and didn't intervene for their good and for the good of society. And if there's a lesson to be learned from the tragedies of this weekend, it's that it can happen again at any moment. And there are people out there that need us. And this is a time where we have to be a lot more engaging with the people we love to maybe intervene if something's not right. And if that's the best lesson we can take, then that's the best lesson we can take. In a moment, I want to talk about the economy. If you're older, old enough like I am, you'll remember what price controls were. 1970, stopping inflation through price controls. We're going to talk about that. And are we through the high gas prices? Well, there are a couple of indicators that say maybe not yet. We'll talk about both next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. It would be a Metallica Monday. This is our first day back. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. We have to talk about the economy and a couple of things. Price control coming in, which was a relic they said it ended in the 1970s. But some nations got together. They're trying to cap the price of Russian oils, oil. And um, how is that going to work? I want to talk about gas prices specifically as it pertains to the economy. But um, I'm a free market person. Um, I think less government in the way of the money makers is better for all of us. That's just always been my policy. Um, if you ask me, and there's untrustworthy people everywhere in the government and in the private sector. There are trustworthy people in both places. But I'll take my chances with the free market. And what I mean by that is um, – when it comes to who is best able to right the ship of the economy, I will go with the entrepreneurs I've met every, any day of the week. The idealistic, the way we want it to be um, 
policies that the government sets in place in an ideal world, possibly. But we know what the real world is like. We go talk to people, and I'm blessed to know a lot of small business owners. I'm blessed to know people that built a business from the ground up and made a lot of mistakes that cost them a lot of time and a lot of money. But through perseverance and learning a way that works, they figured out a way to navigate and do things the right way and do them very, very well. And so the idea that we are going to regulate in this country to a higher degree and make it better is a false narrative to me. Here in the country, um, in our country, this is a story from the Wall Street Journal. Federal oil leases slow to a trickle under Biden. Here's why this is important. Uh, the the 9,000 leases and this argument back and forth, um, the very same oil companies, and I, I hope people will take this to heart, the very same oil companies, and I've got no reason to defend an oil company. I don't, I don't, I'm not in a family that owns oil. I, I make no money off the oil companies. I just look at things logically. The very same people that are being demonized as profiteers right now, the same oil barons, the same oil companies, were the same oil companies that were selling you gas for th- under $3 a gallon a couple of years ago. Now, if you want to say that it had to do with supply chain issues because it wasn't necessary and demand was down during COVID, you can, you know, I guess you can live under that that tent if you want. But you can't talk about the couple of years before that when we had immense growth like we have now, a speeding economy and no inflation. The overregulation of any industry by the government, the uh, the regulation and compliance issues that it, it it makes it tough. That's my opinion. But when you put together what's happening here and the lack of production in America, and you couple it with this, um, OPEC has agreed to one hundred thousand barrels per day in reduced output for October. Prices of the price of oil has been going down. So OPEC is responding by cutting production. Now, there are a couple of things that are going to be happening. Fuel oil in the wintertime is right around the corner. But more than that, the Chinese economy is going to start crawling out. The Chinese economy is going to start crawling out of COVID and their lockdowns. If you haven't followed any of that, they are still locking their people down. There has been a huge lockdown in China, which means their demand for petroleum-based products has dropped dramatically. That demand is going to be increasing over the next few months. And OPEC is saying we are – they are now – the OPEC nations are controlling the production – Therefore, the price of oil, if they ramp up production and they produce more and there's more on the market, it drives down the price per per barrel of oil. It just makes sense. And what they're seeing now is a price reduction is happening. And so they're reducing production. They're going to keep making their profits. They're going to sell oil at a higher amount. So are we out of the woods with high gas prices? I don't believe that to be true. There is a large segment of the American population that says we have to offset that by going to other sources. 
that we have to be able to have renewable energy and then we're not dependent on the OPEC nation. There's another segment of our society that says when we turn loose the capabilities of the American people with our own oil reserves and with our own oil companies with drilling and refining and delivering our own gas and diesel and heating oil, when we do those things, natural gas, we make the world a better place because now the OPEC nations don't have such a stranglehold. And what I've always asked in the question of environmentalism is, we the question I ask it this way, we are not reducing our need for petroleum products in the world yet. Not as fast as part of the world wants us to. So the demand for oil is not dropping. What we are doing is shifting the responsibility of drilling for it or fracking or whatever else. We are shifting the pulling it out of the ground to other nations. Same with refining and same with delivery. We don't have a bigger seat at the table because we have reduced our ability to do it ourselves. When we were at a time of energy independence, when we were at a time where we did not need foreign oil, there was a time when Mexico was cutting out exports because they were going to become totally independent in the nation of Mexico. And if we don't take a look at this with our economy, what this is doing, we are allowing nations that don't like us very much to control things in our economy that we should be in control of. That is my biggest issue. I have no issue with renewable energy. We're not going to get there in a time frame that is going to save our economy right now. And what we've done is we've tied one arm behind the back of the oil companies to keep up with the production needs. And now OPEC is going to inflate the cost of oil by reducing production. And we have no way of offsetting that. And that's my argument. Coming up, uh, we're going to have Steve Zinsmeister is in for Gatos and the big Q poll question of the day. It happens in just a moment. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, Steve, how are you, man? Hey, Mike. Good to hear that your key card still works. Yeah, well, it, it didn't. I was a little nervous. Oh, there no. was a day. It, it worked today. Well, there were a couple oh, of days no. it didn't. <laughs> I was it's a little good nervous. To hear your voice, man. I, I hope you had a great Labor Day. I did. My boys won, which was good. Um, so I was very happy with the results. Nothing's better than that. Hey, that leads me to the Gatos Big Q poll question. Right. If you go to KTAR.com, you scroll down on the right-hand side, there's this big picture of Gatos. I petitioned to get it off, but apparently it's still there. Uh, the Big Q poll question is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. How did you spend your Labor Day? You have three options, Mike. Indoors with the air conditioning air conditioner blasting, mm-hmm. outside in the heat, or traveling home from vacation. Now, personally, you know me. I don't go outside. I did try to take the dog for a walk, and the dog turned right back around, ran back inside, and said, nah, I think I'll hold it till October. Right. Um, but I, I spent most of Labor Day indoors, AC blasting. Me too. I, and I, I did that all weekend long. It was nice. It was very nice of the football gods to give us college football for like four or five straight days. So it was good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. I, I'm. I'm looking at the poll right now. It says five percent of people. Only five percent said they were traveling home from vacation. Yeah. Isn't this like the busiest travel day of the year? Yeah, it's one of them. It's one of the busiest travel days. It is. Um, so I went to the airport. I went to the airport to pick up my girlfriend, and it took me like an hour just to get through Terminal Four. Yeah. Yeah. Did you park in? Did you park in Terminal Four, and the or did you go to the economy lot? 
No, I was just, I did the cell phone lot thing and oh, okay. up on the curb and it still took forever. Yeah. 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 I, I go, I go into the economy lot and find a place there and then you can take the train. It's just easier. Yeah, I guess that would have been a better way to go. But yeah, it looks like most people spent their their Labor Day indoors. Probably smart. If you were outside on Labor Day, there had to be some sort of water involved. And, and as much as this pains me to say, uh, your Buckeyes looked pretty good this weekend. Well, you know, I wasn't going to rub it in your face. Well, but, listen, uh, my boys, my boys hung seventy on the on the fighting uh, Bethune Cookman powerhouse. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but a good win for you yeah. guys to start your season. Hey, I'll be right in that same boat with you next week. I think we've got, like, Toledo or something. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. I know you're in all week, right? I'm in all week for Gatos, man. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks. That's Steve Zinsmeister in for Gatos. And the big Q poll question of the day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. As Steve said, go to KTAR.com. You can weigh in there and see how other people voted. Uh, just after 9 o'clock, we're going to talk about a frequent topic, which is the border. The governor of Texas continues to send busloads of, of illegal migrants from Texas. If they want to go to Chicago, they're going to Chicago. If they want to go to New York, if they want to go to D.C., they're being put on buses, they're signing waivers, and they're being sent there. What I find interesting is some of these cities, New York especially, and now in Chicago, sanctuary cities, saying that they welcome people and very upset that this is happening. As a matter of fact, one of the comments by by the by the uh, mayor of Chicago Lightfoot uh, questioned the faith of the governor of Texas because of what he's doing. So we're going to have a real conversation about this and the border. Are, should your faith be questioned for doing what's happening here? Is what he do is what he doing is it an evil thing? I love this conversation because I am a pro-immigrant person, but we have to stop illegal immigration. So what is this fight that's going on? We'll talk more about it coming up in just a few moments.